Uh, obviously, we, we hate those guys across town. Um, there's a, a, a bitter a bitter feeling with those guys, but uh, at the end of the day, we have to come out here and play Bruin football. You know, we want to break 60 and, and, and all that stuff. So, um, like I said, we're trying to improve on, on everything we've done this year uh, and, and, you know, trying to, trying to maximize our game that way. So. Dang, DTR, 60? I've heard of a 50-burger. Uh, what's what's a 60? A 60 sandwich? Like, I, what, like what, do we, what do we go with? I don't know. Either way, Dorian Thompson-Robinson trying to pour it on his rivals this week. I would imagine that there's some, there's some fire. We'll, we'll get to the game in a minute. USC-UCLA. USC trying to maintain their position as a college football playoff contender when they head to what should be a sold-out Rose Bowl. Of 70,000 in a stadium that seats 100 plus. I don't understand how it's a sellout, but either way, I love it nonetheless. We will talk about USC and UCLA. We will talk about TCU. Do they have a tricky one coming up this weekend? I happen to think they do. And y'all, there are a lot of potential. I'm not, I'm not picking upsets. Okay. So understand me when I say this. I'm not going to go ahead and pick upsets. I might have one or two in there, by the way, but. I'm not going to go ahead and pick a ton of upsets, but I do think this universally could be a little bit of a flat spot weekend. There's a couple teams that might have a bit of a hangover after last weekend's performance. And there might be a couple teams too looking forward into next week, knowing what rivalry week next week, knowing that Thanksgiving's coming up, knowing all this other stuff. There might be some big games to be played on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of next week. So you might have a little bit of the look ahead flu. Just saying expect this to be a bit of a flat spot for several teams. I'll explain why here in just a minute, but you know what today's all about. It's about the breakdowns. It's about to get into some games, so let's start and kick it off in the Big 12. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. Starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster. Between all those bumpy twists and turns comes the actual business side of your business, which can really throw you for a loop. Luckily, with QuickBooks, you can manage your business with confidence from the start. So no matter how bumpy the ride gets, you can always stay on track. New business, no problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. All right, let's kick it off in the great state of Texas. The Longhorn State, if you will. The Lone Star State, if you will. No longer anymore, it's the Horn Frog State, baby. TCU established dominance last week. We know that they could score, but we now know that their defense can rise to the occasion when necessary. What a performance it was last week for the TCU Horn Frogs. However, that's the problem. We're talking so much about last week. And I, look, I'm, I'm all for it. Like I'm pumped for TCU. That was a great, great win. It was a dominant win. And I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes saying, hey, you know what, TCU, even though maybe the offense, maybe they won't have their best. Maybe they won't have their best stuff this week, whatever. Like they can find a way to win even if they don't play their best on offense, right? I think all those things are very, very real. Explain to me this though. Why is TCU only a two and a half point favorite? 
I'm not saying that we need to de- de- devise everything off of Vegas, but why are they only a two and a half point favorite? Because I, for one, think you can learn something from Vegas. I do. I think it's possible to learn something. I'm not saying you can learn everything. Why are they only a two and a half point favorite on the road? Why? Because of a hangover effect. If everyone's talking about TCU and everyone's talking and patting you on the back on hey, what a great performance last week was, then you're going into this week and you're the favorite, so you don't have that underdog fuel. It hasn't been a game that's been circled all off season. It hasn't been this game that's like, hey man, we gotta go, you know, we gotta go rally the troops. And on top of that, there is a faction of people. How big that faction is, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I might actually live in the faction, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I think TCU can lose this game and still get to the college football playoff. A lot of people disagree with that. But I happen to think that this is the only game they can lose and still get to the playoff. You can drop this one. Tell me how far they're going to drop. I mean, they might drop beneath that of... Tennessee, but ultimately you're probably still going to be ahead of LSU. And ultimately you might still be in complete control of your own destiny, even if you lose this game. Now, I don't think that's the approach that Sonny Dykes and company want to take. That's for sure. I think they want to come out and they want to fire on all cylinders. Let's start with the defense last week. That was really a performance for the ages. Uh, They kept the Texas offense out of the end zone for the first time since 2016. And Obviously, if you look at TCU, they haven't exactly been like that dominant group all season long. They've allowed about 400 yards a game. They've allowed nearly five and a half yards per play. They've allowed over four yards a carry. Uh, And they allowed nearly two thirds of their red zone penetrations given up to result in touchdowns. Like that's the first nine games. Well, last week, here's their stat numbers against the Texas Longhorns. Well, they gave up 199 yards. That's half of what they normally give up. They gave up less than three and a half yards of play. That's more than two yards per play lower than what they usually give up. They gave up just over one yard per carry, which is nearly two and a half yards less than they give up per carry. And they allowed a grand total of zero percentage of the red zone penetrations to result in touchdowns. That is a stark difference from what we've seen in the first nine games. Now, are you now are you going to be a defense that looks like you did every single week against Texas? Like moving forward, is that what we're going to get every week? Or are we going to revert back to the mean, which you're kind of gettable on defense and it hasn't exactly been a dominant group? I do think this. I think Baylor has the right recipe to be able to create some issues with their run game for the TCU defense. I do. I think they can be a little bit problematic, but man, everyone seems to point towards Baylor pulling this one off. Y'all, Baylor has allowed 30 plus points in consecutive games. Has not done so in three straight games since 2017. So everyone's going to talk about Dave Aranda and the defense. And hey man, this is Dave Aranda. He knows how to coach him up. Y'all, I, I don't, I'm not sold on Baylor's defense. Like I know Baylor absolutely stomped. They got stomped last week against Kansas State. Stomped. So you know they're going to come out. They're going to be angry. There's no doubt about that. How could they not be? That was about as bad a performance by Baylor as I can as I can recall. But we're talking about a team that's not playing great right now. They're just not playing great right now. And it's difficult for me to anticipate a team, even if there is a bit of a hangover effect. And I think there could very well be a hangover effect for TCU. I can't pick against them. 
even though it's on the road, even though Vegas is telling me 100% to take the Baylor Bears. Vegas, with their line, with where it's at, is begging me to lay money on the Horned Frogs. Well, I'm willing to. I like Baylor to win this thing comfortably. If ba- or Excuse me, I like TCU to win this game comfortably. If Baylor somehow pulls the upset, I'll be very surprised. I think it might be one of the more surprising outcomes of the college football season. Because we just saw a TCU match and exceed the physicality of their opponent. Baylor's going to be physical. Baylor's going to play hard. Baylor's going to try to impose their will at the line of scrimmage. But guess what? TCU, even as TCU has at times struggled in the last couple of years, you know what TCU's done since 2012? They've owned Baylor. They're 7-3 and three against the Baylor Bears. That's the best in the Big 12 in that span. I like the Horned Frogs this weekend. I think their perfect season continues. And I think they do so in impressive fashion against what I think is a solid yet inconsistent Baylor football team. All right, let's go out west. Another team that's hoping to get back into the playoff conversation. I think USC, and I've said this all week long, I think USC is in control of their own destiny. Tennessee fans have found that to be displeasing. LSU fans have been bothered by that sentiment as well. I think if SC wins out, I think they're in pretty dang good shape to be able to get into the college football playoff. The good news is I don't think SC is going to get it done this week. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll cut to the chase. Here's why. One, I think UCLA was looking ahead last week. It's a big reason for the inconsistent performance. It's a big reason why I think they lost. And I think that this is one of those games in which UCLA, they are going to make USC their Super Bowl. Meanwhile, USC still has Notre Dame. Still has the possibility of getting to the Pac-12 championship game. USC feels like they're at the start of a rebuild, whereas this feels like the culmination for Chip Kelly. It feels like this game, this performance, this opportunity has been years in the making for Chip Kelly. So the motivation, where the program's at, all the different psychological aspects that could have an impact in the game, I think are on the side of the UCLA Bruins. Now, psychology and all that aspect is a small percentage of, of what I might, you know, allow to involve my my brain and in, in picking the game and deciding who's going to win the game and all this other stuff. Here's the other thing I like. Both these offenses have been pretty dang good. Uh, and I, I think both these offenses have been excellent all season long. Let's start with SC. All right. I mean, SC, 42 points a game. They're third in the FBS behind Tennessee and Ohio State, uh, and they have only three turnovers. I mean, think about that. To be that explosive and to only put the ball on the deck and or get picked three times this year, that's taking care of the football. That is about as ridiculous a stat line as you can find. Of course, they lead the country in fewest turnovers. There's really no one within striking distance of them. When it comes to that as well, Caleb Williams is the straw that stirs the drink. I don't need to explain that to you. Anybody that's watched SC know that they kind of go with their quarterback. Caleb Williams will probably be in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony if he's victorious in two of the next three games, or if he's victorious maybe in just one of the next two. Perhaps just depends on what the stat line looks like, but he is terrific. He's thrown for at least three touchdowns in four straight games. That's the second longest active streak. In the FBS, you might be surprised who has the longest. That'd be Houston's Clayton Toon. I'm 
sure you probably would not have guessed that. <laughs> Maybe you would have gone with Hendon Hooker or somebody else like that. But no, Clayton Toon, probably not on your bingo board as far as making the show today. But Caleb Williams, if, if he plays well, I think they're in a great spot. The problem is, I don't think it's a guarantee that if he plays well, they win the game. Because I have such little confidence in their defense right now. And I think UCLA is one of those teams, don't get me wrong, I'm not overwhelmed with what they do defensively. I think they have some things that they can do defensively that can make life a little bit difficult. For instance, go back and watch the Utah game. I did a really good job of corralling Cam Rising. I did a really good job of covering down. They didn't give up crazy big plays in that game. That, like that UCLA, and that's, by the way, look at the numbers in that game. They weren't impressive by any stretch of the imagination, but... UCLA has to be opportunistic defensively. They have to be good in the red zone defensively. They can do those two things. They have a chance. I don't think they're going to be able to create a bunch of turnovers in this game. We just talked about the fact that USC doesn't turn the football over. But if they can play good, sound red zone defense, that could be the potential key. The other thing too, Travis Dye being lost for the season for SC. Now that he's gone, that's one less piece that you have to account for when dealing with USC's offensive weapons. Like we know they they still have talented backs. There's there's no denying that. I'm not saying that they don't have talent beyond that of Travis Dye, but Travis Dye has shown at times this year and we've talked about it. He can become a workhorse. I mean, 20, 25, 28 carries in a game. He could be that guy. And in a game like this, I I think should think that's not a bad recipe to try to run the football. But ultimately, I I just think this feels like a point where Dorian Thompson Robinson, he's been terrific all season long, not just the way he's been throwing it, but also the way he's been running it. In his career, the guy's accounted for 104 touchdowns. He's in the top two, uh, or excuse me, he's just two behind Brent Hundley, is second right now in UCLA history. I think he breaks the record this week, and I think UCLA gets it done. Their rushing attack, I think, behind Charbonnet, who did miss a game. Uh, but they have been amazing. I mean, just amazing running the football. They averaged FBS best six yards per carry. It's actually 6.2 to be exact. That's on pace to be the best by an eight-win Pac-12 team since 2013. That's when Oregon Ducks also averaged 6.2. Oregon, by the way, coached by Chip Kelly (laughs) in that season. So I think UCLA gets it done, y'all. I think they're better at the line of scrimmage. I think they have a chance to potentially run the football with a lot of efficiency. And it's hard for me not to look back a little bit to last year. Just a little bit. I'm not saying that I know it's a totally different regime, but I like UCLA to get it done in this particular spot. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure on the USC Trojans. Give me UCLA in the outright upset in front of a sold-out crowd there in the Rose Bowl. All right, let's keep it on the West Coast. Another semifinal game, so to speak to get into the Pac-12 championship game. The loser is out. The winner very much in. Utah traveling to Eugene. All right. How good has Oregon been at home? We know that, except for last week, right? I mean, last week's loss to Washington for Oregon had to have been one of the most devastating losses in a very, very long time. Now, for the most part, Oregon is out of the college football playoff discussion. We know that. I guess there's a remarkably slim chance, assuming maybe UAB beats LSU. And, you know, like, I mean, we're talking about like complete chaos in the top eight 
for Oregon to get back in the mix. I think it's for the most part done. But either way, they saw their playoff hopes evaporate. They saw their 23 home game win streak snapped against Washington last week. And if you look at just how good Oregon's been at home, They've been averaging over the last 15 seasons over 45 points a game at home. I mean, so to beat Oregon in their place is a difficult thing to do, which leads me to this week's game. Can Utah potentially go into Autzen and hand them another L? That's a huge question mark, and I don't know. If you would have asked me five, six weeks ago, can Utah go on the road and get it done? I would have told you absolutely not. Utah at home is a different animal than what we've seen from Utah on the road. But now, knowing some of the uncertainty surrounding Bo Nix, there is a real, real concern for me when evaluating the Oregon Ducks. Now, I don't know exactly whether or not Bo's going to go, at least at this point. When we're taping this episode, I cannot tell you with certainty that Bo Nix is going to play or not play. But all I know is that even last week, he looked very human. Uh, relative to what he had been doing in that eight-game win streak, okay? Threw for two touchdowns and just one. That was his third straight game with two touchdowns and a pass and a rushing touchdown. That was the longest active streak by any FBS player. But he did not play great last week. I don't know if you watch the game, if you really watch him, it wasn't quite as efficient as it been in that really nice win streak that they had put together. And he really threw himself into the Heisman Trophy conversation. Now, Ty Thompson, if he has to go, we know based on the recruiting services and those that have evaluated his play, people feel great about his future in Eugene, but is now his time? It makes it very difficult for me to believe that he's going to be in a great spot to potentially knock off Utah in what might be his first big action, first meaningful action in a Ducks uniform. But like I said, Utah has been very human away from Salt Lake City this year. They're just 2-2 two and two on the road. They squeaked by Washington State. The fewest points the Utes have scored at home this season is 35. That was against San Diego State. On the road, they have not eclipsed the 34-point mark. If Bo Nix is playing, I think they're going to have to score more than 35. Just saying. Well, on the road, they haven't done so just yet. If you look at just how they've handled both sides... On the road, they're averaging 28 points a game. At home, Utah is averaging nearly 47 points a game. The opponent's points given up at home, under 17. Well, the opponent's, opponent's points given up on the road, 25.3. Of course, I mentioned the fact that they're 2-2 two and two on the road. They're 6-0 and no at home. Utah better be ready to play their best football of the season on the road this weekend, or else they could come up a little bit short. The one thing that has been consistent for Utah this year has been the play of Cam Rising. Just a star. The guy is an absolute star. He's accounted for 25 touchdowns this year, 19 through the year, six on the ground, all of which you really look at that, those rushing touchdowns. That was that three-game span in October. He's fifth in the FBS in total QBR too. So quietly, there hasn't been as much uh, conversation about Cam Rising. And I think ever since he kind of missed that game against Washington State as a lap minute scratch, he hasn't really seem to get quite back into that groove. So if you look at where he's at, uh, before the Washington State game, his total QBR was 90. The completion percentage, 69. The yards per attempt, 8.5. And the rushing yards per game, 44. Well, after the Washington State game, Cam Rising, totally different guy. 
70 is his QBR. That's down 20 points. His completion percentage is at 57%. That's down 12 percentage points. His yards per attempt is at 6.4. That's down two yards per attempt, two and change, I might add. And his rushing yards per game since the Washington State games to his late scratch there, just 13 and a half yards per game. So he's got to be great. But I do think his defense can help him out. If Utah can attack and create issues for a Bo Nix that's at less than 100%, or if it's a Ty Thompson who's really thrust in the lineup for the first major time in his college career, that could be massive. Utah, they're trying to figure out a way to create a little bit more of an edge defensively. They've been blitzing at the highest rate in the Pac-12. They're blitzing on nearly 37% of opponents' dropbacks and generating pressure on a remarkable 56% of those blitzes. That's the third best in the FBS. So they have to ramp up the pressure. They have to blitz. They have to bring the house from time to time in order to create confusion for the Oregon Ducks. Right now, not knowing the certainty of whether or not Bo Nix is going to play, it's very difficult to make a pick here. If Bo Nix plays, I like Oregon. If Bo Nix doesn't play, I like Utah. You're saying, Greg, well, you're really making a statement there. All right, fine. I think he's going to play. So give me the Oregon Ducks. Give it to me close, though. I just don't trust this Utah team on the road. Even though Utah is completely dominated, dominated Oregon, not once but twice last year, on the road this year, they've been a completely different animal. And Cam Rising these last couple of weeks hasn't quite been the same. So give me Oregon, but give it to me close. Just a little bit. Maybe a late field goal there in what should be a massive game in the Pac-12. All right, another big breakdown here. Georgia going on the road to Kentucky. Why is this a big breakdown, Greg? You're probably asking yourself that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think this game's going to be competitive. Uh, I don't. Just like I told you earlier in the week, I don't think Tennessee on the road at South Carolina is going to be competitive either. I just think these two teams have eclipsed that of their their foes, if you will, in the SEC East by such a significant margin. I just don't see it. And honestly, if you look at Kentucky, Kentucky, by the way, had a difficult time moving the ball last year against Georgia. We know people say, well, maybe Georgia's defense isn't as good this year. I think they're pretty dang good. Well, I know this. I know Kentucky's offensive line has been really substandard. So what makes you think that this offensive line and this passing attack uh, and these wide receivers and all this stuff are going to be able to move the ball consistently against the Georgia Bulldogs? I personally don't see it. It's a bad matchup for Kentucky. They've lost 12 consecutive games to Georgia. That's the longest active losing streak by any SEC team against the Bulldogs. You heard that right. Any SEC team, that means Vanderbilt, has beaten Georgia more recently than Kentucky has, okay? It's the matches the longest winning streak against a conference opponent since joining the SEC for Georgia. They also uh, also won 12 straight against Ole Miss from 77 to 88. So whatever historical significance there is there, at least you have it. Uh, this has been a really, really tough game for Kentucky the last few weeks. They've also lost seven straight against AP number one teams. Their last win was in 2007 when they beat it. Uh, the eventual national champion LSU in overtime. I, I think last week, when you look at Kentucky, they lost to Vanderbilt. For those that are unaware, they did not look good in the process. Will Levis looked really, really average. And if you look at it, man, he has had a tough time. He had a total QBR of 16 last week. Interception. He registered a total QBR of less than 20 of two of his last three starts. I mean, Will Levis, he's either not at 100%. I mean, if this guy's supposed to be a top 10 pick, he's got to play better than he's played. I also acknowledge, too, 
the offensive line hasn't helped him. I mean, the guy is constantly under duress. He's constantly getting hit. He's holding onto the ball too long. He's trying to make plays, but this offensive line's not giving him much of a chance. And, yo, that's against Vanderbilt. What do you think is going to happen when they go up against the likes of the Georgia Bulldogs? I just don't like the matchup at all. I think this thing gets sideways in a hurry. Uh, I think both teams at the top of the SEC this weekend, I think they win big with both Tennessee and with the uh, Georgia Bulldogs. But I also think too, man, I just, we need to figure something out with Kentucky. They're just not recognizable compared to what they've been in recent weeks, uh, compared to what they've been in recent years. Just, they need to get back to who they were. And that's being great along the line of scrimmage and really sound on defense. Because ever since that Tennessee game, everything's kind of started to slip and everything's kind of started to fade away. It's a big opportunity here for them to at least show that they can resemble what they've looked like in recent years. But I don't like the matchup at all. Give me the dogs. Give me a big. All right, I want to rip through a few other games, but I also want to kind of, before we get to a few of these, I want to acknowledge just some of the issues that some of these teams may have this weekend. All right, this feels very much like a weekend that is just ripe for the picking. It feels like a weekend in which there's going to be some upsets. I'm just telling you right now because the matchups are not crazy sexy. I mean, if you look top to bottom, there's not a lot of crazy sexy matchups. All right. I just gave you a breakdown with four of the top games, and one of them involves a team that's a 22 and a half point favorite. All right. There is not right now on the schedule this week because the SEC's playing their lettuce week opponents. You see some games in the Big Ten, but everyone seems to be talking about rivalry weekend or they're talking about last weekend. I talked a little bit about TCU a little while ago. TCU could very easily go into Waco and have a bit of a hangover. Though that surprise any of y'all, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, look at all the teams that have experienced this already this year. Look at the look-ahead possibilities that impacted UCLA last week. UCLA clearly looking ahead, clearly focused on SC. They come up a little bit flat. Next thing you know, they lose the game to a bad, bad Arizona team. All right, there have been a handful of examples like that already this year. And I think we might have a handful of them this week as well. I want to just point to a few spots. Now, hear me when I say this, okay? I'm not picking upsets in these games. I'm not. All I'm saying is do not be surprised if your team comes out a little bit flat. And if they don't come out flat, then be pumped because that is an indicator of quality leadership within the locker room. Let's start in the Big Ten. And we're going to go everywhere, all right? So don't worry. We're not picking on you, Big Ten. We're just starting with you because there's a couple notable games involving teams that are ranked in the top three that are very, very focused on what's coming next week. You know who you are. It's Michigan and Illinois. It's Ohio State at Maryland, okay? like Michigan's at home. That helps, all right? But Illinois has not played very well of late. They haven't. They've played really poorly. They've been at less than 100%. Their best player has been out, has been injured, has had a major impact on just what they've been able to do offensively. Like, yeah, defensively, they play, they hung in there really well early on in the season. But now, right now, I mean, you look at them, it's like, shoot, man, how can they find a way to beat Michigan at their own game? I don't think they can. I like Michigan to, to win this game. I'm just going to give you that pick right now. But if we're looking at this, I've now, I'm going to be on the call, by the way, for the other side of this rivalry, Ohio State at Maryland. I'm on the call for that. That's 3.30 Eastern time on ABC. I've been listening to Ohio State podcasts this week. 
I've been listening to Michigan podcast this week, just trying to get a feel for, you know, what the temperature's like up there for those programs. I feel like there's no better way to get a feel for the programs than by listening to some podcasts every once in a while that are usually fan driven. Well, guess what? I've heard all week long on both Ohio State and on Michigan podcasts. You know how many times I've heard the words Illinois and or Maryland mentioned? I can probably count it on one hand. And I'm talking hours of listening. One hand. All I've heard about is, oh, well, hey, Ohio State's having a hard time in short yardage. How will that fare against Michigan? Well, how about how will that fare against Maryland? Because Maryland's the next team up on your schedule. And I was on the call four years ago when Ohio State went to Maryland. Dwayne Haskins and the Buckeyes go to Maryland and it got so overtime. And next thing you know, they're in a complete dogfight for four quarters and it became one of the great games of the 2018 season. Now, Ohio State survived because Tyrell Pigrome threw one into the dirt in a two-point conversion attempt. But either way, man, that was a dicey game. Now, it hasn't been as competitive lately. But either way, I think both Michigan and Ohio State, if they came out flat this weekend, would that surprise you? Because it wouldn't really surprise me. They're not the only ones, by the way. Let's look at some of these other spots. Let's look at some of these other games. In the Big Ten, there's not a ton of teams that are going to be looking ahead. But there might be a, a game in which there's a hangover or so. Like For instance, right now, do you think there could potentially, could potentially, I'm not saying there will be, I'm not saying there should be, I'm not saying there's going to be, all these other things. But could there potentially be a bit of a hangover involving Iowa? I mean, Iowa has found a way to play their way back into the Big Ten West standings. They could potentially get it done. And now they have to play against a Minnesota team that's also 4-3, and three, but they're still kind of reading their press clippings. I mean, Iowa's in great shape. They've beaten Purdue. They've beaten Wisconsin. Now they've got to play against Minnesota at their place. I mean, could we see a situation where Iowa's a little out of gas? I mean, I'm just spitballing here. There's a handful of these, I might add. Let's go now to the Pac-12. We already referenced a few of the big games, all right? Can you find a spot, in your opinion, where maybe Oregon State, who's ranked 23, they're going to Arizona State. Oregon State, number 23, to Arizona State. You think Oregon State's looking ahead to next week, the Civil War? My bet? Yes. Just saying. What about Washington? Big game last week. Colorado coming to them this week. And guess what? Apple Cup next week. Think that's a flat spot for Washington? I think so too. Let's go to the Big 12. We already talked about TCU. I've already mentioned that. How about Kansas State? Kansas State going to West Virginia. Kansas State dominant win last week. I mean, just a great win. Top to bottom destroyed Baylor. They're going to West Virginia. Think that's a possible letdown spot? I'd say yes. 100%. I'd say yes. All right, let's go to the SEC. Like I said, they're all over the place. How about... UAB heading to LSU. All anyone's talking about down on the bayou is, hey, Georgia, Georgia, playoff, Georgia. Well, guess what? In comes a UAB team that's a 14-point dog that has played well against competition like this in the past, that can run the football, that can shrink the game, that can make life difficult on a defensive front seven if they don't play well. I think that was a tricky one. How about Auburn? They're trying to throw a parade right now for Cadillac Williams and their win. And yeah, everyone wants to talk, oh, what a great win for Auburn. What a great moment for Auburn football, like Auburn family, like great win. Auburn welcomes in Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky heading to the Plains and the Iron Bowls next week, flat spot for Auburn. 
How about Ole Miss? Hangover. Lost to Bama last week. Arkansas, that's who they're playing against. Arkansas having to get at least one win in the next two weeks to get to bowl eligibility because they sit at 5-5. Five five. Well, Ole Miss, are they still hurting? Are they still bummed? Are they still upset about the performance they put on tape last week? I think that's a potential spot for a big top 15 opponent to potentially go down. I'm not picking it. I'm just saying these are the games that you need to be really mindful of. We can get to the ACC too. I mean, are, there's not as many. Louisiana's pretty good. They go to Florida State. I think Florida State will win. Florida State's playing great football. But just saying, if you come out flat, it would not be surprising. What about Clemson? They got South Carolina next week. Want to punch their rivals in the face. Well, in comes Miami. Miami finally plays pretty well last week. First time we've seen that in a while. I don't think Miami's going to win the game. I don't. I don't think Miami has enough consistent offense to win the game. But maybe Clemson comes out just a little bit flat. What about North Carolina? We're starting to talk about Drake May. Drake May for Heisman. Drake May for Heisman. Drake May for Heisman. NC State next week. NC State next week. Well, in comes Georgia Tech, who's been really hit or miss. Maybe Georgia Tech plays well. Maybe North Carolina has to play a four-quarter game when no one's really expecting it to be that right now. All I'm saying is do not be surprised. Do not be surprised this week if your team takes the field a little lethargic because we all know how much stake we put into the rivalry games and we all know how much was potentially on the line for your team in the last couple of weeks. And if they came up in victory or defeat, sometimes that hangover effect can certainly work its way into a game in which the opponent appears to be way beneath you. And yet, next thing you know, you're playing a four-quarter game against a team you should dominate. Lions, Tigers, and tailgates. Oh, my. The college football season is always a great time of year. Besides the jerseys, the face paint, and the foam fingers, there's the food. And nothing gets you more fired up for game day than Eckrich smoked sausage. They're naturally hardwood smoked and have the perfect blend of spices. From buffalo sausage dip, sausage chili mac and cheese, Eckridge Smoked Sausage is a quick way to bring flavor to all your tailgate meals. Visit Eckridge.com for easy, one-of-a-kind sausage recipes. Eckridge, you do you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, some final thoughts here. Like I've told you all week, lettuce week for the SEC, survive in advance, right? And I think, like I said, hangover, real thing. Possible look ahead, real thing. Don't lose your mind if for whatever reason your team plays poorly this week. It's to be expected. We put so much emphasis on the rivalry games. It's understandable. Like no one's thinking, for instance, if you're Florida State, I can promise you you didn't have Louisiana circled in the preseason. All right? I can promise you that. Okay. If you're Auburn, I can promise you you didn't have Western Kentucky circled in the preseason. No way. All right. But you know who did have you circled? Western Kentucky. So I think that this is one of those weeks where it doesn't feel like it's going to be very chaotic, but don't be surprised if we have a very surprising result or two or three, maybe four come Sunday morning. It's going to be awesome. That's what's great about college football is that you never know what you're going to get, man. I mean, shoot, Johnny Doe's girlfriend could have broken up with him last weekend. He has a terrible game. Next thing you know, they lose. 
And yet they're out of the playoff mix now, right? I mean, you never know. So that's why we stay with it. That's why we have a blast covering it. That's why we're all over it. But man, it seems like just a chaotic week is coming. And hey, if we're wrong, we'll admit if chalk flies, we'll we'll come on the air on Sunday and, and on Monday and say, hey, we were wrong. But I happen to think we're going to have a little chaos this weekend. Just saying, that's my prediction. We'll see. For all of us here at Always College Football, thanks so much. We so enjoy being with you every single week. We appreciate you guys getting into the comments section. And I apologize in advance already. If there are some headlines that are misleading, no, I do not think South Carolina is going to beat Tennessee. I just want to set the record straight on that. All right. So I appreciate all of you guys for being as interactive and as passionate as you are. That's why we do the show. We do the show because we are as passionate as you are. And we love it just as much as you do. I can promise you. And we love all of it, by the way. It's not exclusive to one specific league, one specific team, one specific part of the country. We love it all. So we're trying to bring it to you as best we can on a week-to-week basis. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Tell your friends. That really helps us out. We don't have a marketing budget. So tell your friends about what we're doing at Always College Football and trying to celebrate the sport on a daily basis. For Mark Kubiak, for Jack or Jackson Foster. I didn't know that was his I'm going to call him Jackson from now on. He's just a baby, so we got to call him Jackson Foster. I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a phenomenal weekend, and we hope you enjoy what we think is going to be some chaos. All right? Enjoy it, everybody. It's always going to Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts. 